Oh, well, friends, what do, you look mo- what do you look for most in a church? Uh, that's a question I've discussed a number of times uh, with people um, over the last few years of doing ministry uh, here at church. I've spoken with many who, for some reason or another, are looking to leave their current church. Uh, some of them were looking for a new church uh, with a vibrant kids program uh, that would be appropriate for their own children. Uh, Others were looking for a more contemporary service uh, where they would be amongst uh, people their own age. Uh, And still others were looking for a community where they could feel uh, like they truly belong. Uh, Now, each of these factors, I think, does have some value and uh, should help us think rightly about church. But what should be the most important things for us to consider when we're looking for a church? What are the things that distinguish the true church of God uh, from any other gathering of you know, any other people? Uh, what does the model or the exemplary church look like? Well, friends, that's the uh, question that 1 Thessalonians 1 answers for us. Uh, if you take a look at chapter 1, verse 7, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, uh, you can see it for yourselves. Uh, Paul, speaking to and about the Thessalonians, says... Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 7, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, You see, friends, Paul is telling this small group of Christians meeting in Thessalonica uh, that they are an example of a model church to all the other churches. Uh, They are an example that all the others are meant to follow. And throughout our passage in 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, we'll see that Paul shows us exactly what it is that makes the Thessalonian church a model church. Uh, Now, they are by no means perfect. Uh, They're not sinless. Uh, There'll be parts of Thessalonians where Paul uh, will kind of correct them. But what Paul shows us here uh, is ultimately what God considers to be crucial marks of a model church. Uh, this is what the authentic church of God looks like. And so throughout, throughout 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul will show us three things that identify uh, the model church. Uh, and those three things have become my three main points for this morning. Uh, so firstly, Paul shows us that the model church is working because of the gospel. Uh, secondly, he shows us that the model church is confident in the gospel. And lastly, Paul shows us that the model church is changed by the gospel. So that's working, confident, and changed. And if you're following along the outlines, which I would recommend, we're at point two now, working. Working because of the gospel. Let's pick up 1 Thessalonians again from verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well, Paul begins this, uh, this letter to these very young Christian believers in Thessalonica uh, by explaining first how thankful he is to God for them. Uh, now, if you've read any of uh, Paul's other letters, you'd know that this is uh, fairly typical of the way that he starts uh, his letters to the churches, and many of them start with him giving thanks uh, for what God has done in the audience. Uh, But here it seems to be the emphasis is on Paul continually giving thanks to them. 
Uh, it's not a kind of he thanked, them, uh, he thanked God once and that was it. But these, this church, the Thessalonians, seemed to be a regular source of joy and thanksgiving for Paul. Uh, what's going on with the Thessalonians is that big a deal for Paul that he continues to give thanks to them, thanks to God for them. And Paul tells us uh, that what he particularly thanks God for is three things, their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is thankful that this church is working because of the gospel. Uh, Paul is thankful that this church has not remained passive or static. Uh, Instead, he thanks God that the Thessalonians have put their faith into action. Uh, He thanks God for the ways in which they strive to love one another. And he thanks God for the perseverance in the hope of the gospel that they have. Uh, You see, friends, this church is an active and living church. Uh, Since the time when Paul left them, uh, they've not remained kind of stationary. They've not been the same. Uh, They're not simply happy uh, with the status quo. Uh, They're not content to just meet as a social gathering each week. No, no, this church uh, is a vibrant, active fellowship that always looks to do more to be working for the gospel. Uh, This is a church that seeks to serve God rather than kind of be comfortable uh, in their own kind of gathering. And Paul thanks God for them for this reason. And I think the fact that Paul thanks God, it ultimately reveals um, how it is that the Thessalonians could be like this. Uh, You see, it's none of their own effort or their own hard work uh, that the Thessalonians are actively serving each other. Uh, It's not because they're more godly or more talented or more brilliant as uh, Christians. It's because of the gospel that they're able to do this in the first place. Uh, If you take a look at verse 3, you can see that the three qualities that Paul sees in this church, faith, love, and hope, uh, these are the fruits of the gospel. Uh, This is the gospel taking root in the lives of this church. Paul thanks God for this church because he knows that God is ultimately the one who is at work here. He knows that God is the one who has allowed this incredibly young church to be working because of the gospel. Uh, It's not because of their own strength. Uh, It's because the gospel has gripped them and has driven them in this way. Uh, In a sense, I think the way Paul describes it here, you could almost say that the gospel is the fuel for the car of the Thessalonian church. Uh, The gospel is what allows the church to keep moving forward. Uh, The gospel is what powers the church. It's what motivates them. It's what makes them restless and active in their service of God. They cannot help but be a, a working church because they know the gospel. And so, friends, as we uh, take a look at this first mark of the model church, uh, I wonder how you think we're going, uh, how we're going at being a a working and active church. How is church at nine going at being a working and active church? Uh, As I've done ministry alongside many of you over the last few years, and as we've served God together, uh, I have been really encouraged by the times that many of you are working hard because of the gospel. I've heard from many of you of your work of faith, 
uh, the ways in which some of you have formed prayer groups in your office uh, in order to pray for your non-Christian friends in the workplace, uh, or started Bible study groups in the workplace so that you can invite them along. Uh, I've seen for myself, uh, for, for many of you, your labour of love, uh, the ways in which you care for each other, uh, particularly in times of hardship and grief. I've seen many of you uh, welcome new people, um, not just at church, but into your homes and into your very lives, uh, expressing such wonderful love. And I've seen how many of you have remained steadfast in hope, uh, how you continue to strive to follow and obey Jesus, even when it's painful and difficult, Uh, how you've committed to attending here each Sunday and serving the brothers and sisters here at Church at Nine in spite of all the hardships of life. Friends, I've been encouraged to see the gospel take root within our own church and I want to encourage us to keep that going into 2019. Let's keep coming back to the gospel. Let's keep letting it grip us and take hold of us that we might be an active and working church. Let's not be satisfied with simply remaining static. Let's not kind of go into maintenance mode but let's persevere and be active in in serving and honouring Jesus. Uh, Friends, let's continue to be a church that is working because of the gospel. Well, uh, that's the first mark of the model church. Uh, The next one that Paul shows us uh, is that the model church is uh, confident in the gospel. Uh, The model church is confident in the gospel. And so we're at point three now in the outline, uh, confident. Uh, When Paul speaks about confidence, uh, the confidence of the Thessalonians, I think he speaks about it in two two different ways. Uh, Firstly, I think he speaks about an internal confidence within them. That's a kind of conviction that uh, the gospel is true and right. And then I think secondly, he speaks about how that confidence is seen kind of externally in their lives. And how do they outwardly express confidence in the gospel? Uh, You can see the internal confidence in verses 4 and 5. Uh, Verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Uh, You see, friends, Paul knows that the Thessalonians are the real deal. He knows that they are chosen by God, that they're the genuine article. And Paul knows this because of how they received the gospel in the first place. Uh, It came to them not only in words, but also in power, in the spirit, and with full conviction. Uh, Paul is speaking here about when the Thessalonians first became Christians, the gospel brought them full conviction and assurance. Uh, You see, when Paul preached uh, to them in the first place, it wasn't simply a matter of him speaking and the audience listening. Uh, I think at a very human level, that's what you might call preaching. But there was something much more remarkable going on. When the Thessalonians first heard the gospel, the Holy Spirit of God was powerfully applying the gospel to them. Uh, It was done in such a way that they were filled with confidence and assurance that they were now right with God. The Thessalonians became convicted of how true and glorious the gospel really is. They knew that now they had a certain and true hope in the gospel. 
And so with that internal conviction, with that kind of being convinced that it is true from your heart, uh, Paul then talks about how they showed that conviction in the way they lived. And he speaks about their confidence being, I think, demonstrated again in two ways. Uh, It was shown in the fact that they joyfully received the gospel in spite of suffering. And secondly, their confidence was shown as they continued to proclaim the gospel to everyone around them. Uh, You can see their confidence in the midst of suffering in verse 6. Verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that you can see the confidence that the Thessalonians had in the gospel, they had in God, because they received the gospel in the face of much suffering. Uh, Paul shows that he actually followed, they're following in his own footsteps. Uh, After Paul first preached the gospel to the Thessalonians, he was actually driven out of the city because of extreme and violent persecution. Uh, You can read about it for yourself in Acts chapter 17. Acts 17 shows uh, the kind of background to the Thessalonian church. And it seems like after the city had thrown out Paul, uh, they had then turned on these uh, newly converted Christians to oppose them now. The city taunted them and mocked them. They abused them and ostracized them, all in order to get them to deny the gospel that they had just received. But uh, Paul tells us here that in the face of all that opposition, the Thessalonians did not abandon the gospel. Uh, Instead, they received the gospel with the joy of the Holy Spirit. These Thessalonians were so confident in the gospel that they rejoiced in God even in the face of opposition. Uh, You see, their confidence had been tested by persecution and had been found to be genuine. Uh, They knew the hope they had was so much greater than the persecution they faced. And so these young Christians, they didn't budge when suffering came their way. They didn't do what was comfortable or convenient Uh, They didn't compromise. They stuck to their faith, even when it wasn't fable or popular. Uh, The Thessalonians here show us that a model church will be confident in the gospel. Uh, And then lastly there, you can see in verse 8, in verse 8, you can see their confidence to proclaim the gospel. Verse 8, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Paul tells us that not only did the Thessalonians persevere in their own faith in the midst of suffering, if that wasn't enough, he says that it wasn't enough for them just to remain Christian. They wanted everyone to become Christians. They also went above and beyond to share the gospel with as many people as possible. In fact, they were so dedicated to that task that all the other churches now knew the Thessalonians as the gospel-preaching church. That was what they were notorious for. That was what they were uh, synonymous for. If anyone thought about the Thessalonian church, they'd say, oh, yep, that's the church that talks to everyone about Jesus. It's quite an amazing thing for Paul to write, to say that this church was known everywhere as the church that uh, proclaims the word of God. You see, friends, the Thessalonians had become so confident in the gospel and that they'd come to so treasure the gospel above all else that they just couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to proclaim it all throughout the region. 
And this all flows from how confident that they are in the gospel. Uh, you know, if they're willing to stick with it despite affliction and persecution, well, then obviously they believed it was something worth holding on to and something worth sharing. Uh, the Thessalonians proclaimed the gospel because they were confident in it. Uh, you could just imagine what it's like to walk into one of their meetings. Uh, you know, they weren't just satisfied. You'd, you'd kind of walk into the Thessalonian church and you'd see that they weren't just satisfied with uh, just simply meeting and singing, uh, praying and listening to a sermon and then heading home. No, no, they had a real hunger for the gospel to get out. And so they probably met like this to think about how they could keep sharing the gospel, how they could send maybe a few of their people uh, to different parts of the city so that more people could know about Jesus. Uh, they probably considered how to start a prayer group in the local marketplace or to join their own version of City Bible Forum or Campus Bible Study. They probably worked tirelessly in inviting their friends along to join the gathering and to hear about Jesus. And they undoubtedly thought strategically about sending some of their own people uh, to other towns, other, other cities, and probably even other countries. You see, they were so obsessed with seeing an entire world that knew Jesus as Lord and King. Uh, that's the kind of confidence that the Thessalonian church had in the gospel. And so, friends, uh, again, as we take a look at this second mark of the model church, I wonder how you think we're going at being a confident church. Right? How is Church at Nine going at being a confident church? Again, as I've done ministry alongside a lot of you over the past few years, I've been encouraged by the ways that you do endure together. Uh, when you face opposition like the, the Thessalonians um, from co-workers, from friends, sometimes even from family members uh, who do not want you to follow Jesus or to not take him too seriously, uh, you have endured and continued joy. Uh, that's been such an encouraging thing to see. I've been encouraged to see how you help one another in the midst of grief and hardship, uh, how you've continued to remind each other of the hope of the resurrection even when we've had the tragic deaths of some of our own brothers and sisters right here. And I've been encouraged to see you all work so hard to share Jesus with people, uh, when it was maybe through formal events like the spring fair or when we've gone door knocking, or just through the kind of regular thing of inviting a friend along to church, inviting family members along to church so that they too could come to know Jesus and love Jesus. Friends, I've been amazed to see your confidence in the gospel. So again, can I encourage you, as we do enter the new year in just a couple days' time, let's not stop that and let's not become complacent. Uh, let's continue to treasure the gospel above all else. Uh, let's make it known to all people. Uh, let's make sure that our church, Church at Nine, is known for being a gospel-preaching church, a church that is passionate to want to see the world know Jesus. Friends, let's continue to be a church that is confident in the gospel. Well, we've seen uh, the first two marks of model church as we've looked at the Thessalonian example. Uh, we're coming to the final mark now, the final one. Uh, the final mark of the model church that Paul shows us is that the model church is changed by the gospel. Uh, the model church is changed by the gospel. And so we're at point four now. 
Uh, well, if you've noticed, so far I've spoken a lot about how the gospel is kind of at the core of the church. I've used the word gospel a fair bit so far, but I haven't done a lot of work in explaining what we mean by the word gospel. I haven't said too much about what the content of the gospel is. Uh, In our final two verses, I think Paul makes that clear himself. I think firstly he shows us uh, the effect that the gospel has had on the Thessalonians. And then secondly, he gives us a little summary of the content of the gospel. And so you can see the effect that the gospel has had on the Thessalonians in verse 9. Uh, verse 9. Uh, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Uh, now, in one sense, I think we've been hearing about the effect that the gospel has had on the Thessalonians all along. Uh, their labor and their confidence uh, was all because of the gospel. But I think in this verse, we see where all of that comes from. Uh, we see at the core, the core of how the gospel has powerfully changed these Thessalonians. And Paul tells us the essential change uh, has been a change of turning. In verse 9, you can see that kind of word turning being repeated. They have turned away from useless idols and they have turned to the true and living God. Uh, Now, the idols that Paul's talking about here would have been, uh, I think, religious relics and uh, and kind of statues, uh, things made of wood or silver or gold, uh, which these Thessalonians once worshipped and served. But now, after hearing and receiving the gospel, they had turned away from these useless idols and they've given up following after these man-made things and they've now come to worship and serve the creator of mankind, the creator of all things, uh, the true and living God. I think what Paul describes here is a perfect example of what the Bible calls repentance. Uh, Sometimes the word repentance can kind of have, uh, uh, I think, too much kind of baggage where people think it's uh, something else. Uh, a lot of people think it's feeling sorry about something um, or I think they think it's about doing some kind of religious penance. Uh, actually, in the Bible, it's not about that at all. Uh, repentance is about changing the entire course of your life. It's about doing a, a Yui, doing a 180 turn so that it's, it's no longer following after the idols of this world, but now it's living to serve and honour the one true God. So you see, the model church is the one that is changed by the gospel. It's a, it's a church of repentance. And then finally, kind of Paul ends this section by distilling the gospel down into a simple summary in verse 10. Verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Uh, well, there you have it. That's the, that's the amazing gospel that has uh, changed the lives of the Thessalonians so much. Uh, it's centered around the resurrection of Jesus and around the day of God's wrath. Uh, now, at first glance, it can seem like a rather unimpressive message. Uh, you know, it's no great self-help insight. Uh, it's not about being your best self. And it's probably not the kind of thing that's going to end up on the bestsellers list But in reality, this is the message that has completely changed the Thessalonians. Uh, This gospel of the risen Lord Jesus is what turned the world upside down for these Thessalonians. 
and seeing the way that it brought such change to them, I think, should show us just how serious this message is. Uh, The gospel is a vitally important message that tells us that the day is fast approaching when our rejection of God will be faced with God's just anger. The day of God's wrath is coming soon when all humanity will have to give an account for their rebellion against him. But the gospel also brings the good news and tells us that the risen Lord Jesus is the one who can deliver us from the day of God's anger, that there is refuge and safety found in him. This is the radical message that changed the Thessalonians. Uh, It's a message of judgment, a message of warning, but a message of grace and salvation as well. And so ultimately the model church is the one that is powerfully changed by this same message. So friends, as we take a look at this last mark of the model church, I wonder how again you think we're going at being a changed church. How is church at nine going at being a changed church? Have we turned to God from the idols in our own lives? The idols of money, of career, of success or study, of recognition, of sex, of reputation or family or even comfort? Have we come to serve the true and living God, the one who deserves our complete and undivided devotion? And have we come to grasp the radical nature of this gospel, that the risen Lord Jesus is the only one who can save us from the wrath to come? Friends, again, let me implore you, in 2019, in the year to come, let's continue to come to the gospel. Let's continue to revel in it, to meditate upon it, uh, to rejoice in it, so that we might be transformed uh, to serve the living and true God. Friends, let's strive to be a church that is changed by the gospel. Well, uh, as I conclude our time together in God's word, um, let's come back to the question that we asked ourselves at the beginning. Uh, What does the model church look like? Well, Paul has answered that for us by pointing us to the example of the Thessalonian church. Uh, In their example, we've seen that the model church is the church that is working because of the gospel. Uh, It's an active and living fellowship that seeks to serve and honour God. We've seen that the model church is the church that's confident in the gospel. It's inwardly convicted of the word and it shows that conviction and confidence by joyfully enduring suffering and by ceaselessly preaching the gospel. And lastly, we've seen that the model church is the church that is changed by the gospel. It is transformed to turn away from the useless idols of this world to serve the true and living God. So again, friends, as we start fresh in 2019, can I encourage us to strive to follow the Thessalonian example? Uh, Let's seek to be an active and living church that's never satisfied with remaining still. Uh, Let's seek to be a convicted church that is known by many as those who proclaim the gospel. And let's seek to be a transformed church Uh, serve uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, why don't I pray now that God would help us to do this uh, in the week ahead and in the years ahead. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for how good the gospel really is, that it is the message of your risen son, uh, the one who died for us, taking your anger toward our sin upon himself, and the one who rose to life, conquering death, and ascended as the Lord and King of the universe. We pray, Father, that this gospel might so grip our hearts, that it would so encourage and convict us, uh, that we would live actively, confidently, and transformed to serve you. Father, we pray in the year ahead uh, that we might strive to serve Jesus more and more. Uh, Please protect us and guard us from complacency. Uh, Father, where we have become uh, complacent and tired, uh, where we have become selfish and uh, where we have desired comfort rather than um, sacrificially serving you, uh, we pray that you might change us and grow us to become uh, those who serve Jesus first and foremost. Father, change us uh, that our church might indeed be a church that continues to serve and honour Jesus always. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.